Hello and welcome to Mega City Book Club, the podcast all about the galaxy's greatest comics. I'm Eamon Clark, and my guest for this episode is from Fred Egg Comics and That Comic Smell podcast. It's David Robertson. David, welcome to the podcast. Thanks very much, Eamon. Pleasure to be here. Oh, it's great to have you. You got in touch by emailing mcbcpodcast at gmail.com and suggested coming on the show. Um, We're going to get to today's book in a moment, which is an interesting one. But before we get there, because it's your first time, we start with comics origin stories. Um, Can you remember what were your first comics and also particularly when you started reading 2000 AD? Yeah, I can. I, um, I, I was reading comics from a very, uh, very young age, um, things like The Dandy and uh, the Marvel UK Spider-Man and the Star Wars. And, uh, you know, there was a lot of things like Tarzan comics and what have you in the late 70s. And um, I just had a pretty steady diet of various comics, I think, uh, as a kid, and always liked them. Uh, 2000 AD... I think the first one, well, I'm saying I think. I actually have the prog sitting here beside me. Yeah. still have it. It was prog 257 from March 1982. Lovely. And uh, I've no idea why I decided I wanted it, but uh, I did, and that was my first one. And I enjoyed it, and I would say I read 2000 AD on and off uh, over the next 10 years or so, dipping in and out of it. Right. So that's uh, that's my story there, 2000 AD. And obviously you do your own comics now, but what sort of comics do you read currently? What would be sort of the things that uh, uh, you're into at the moment? Mm, well, I'm getting more and more into um, kind of collections of, of older things, um, as well as I got heavily into the American indie kind of scene in the, in the 90s and, and beyond that. And so I've probably settled on a few favourite uh, author creators. I follow their work, and then just generally looking for anything else that catches my fancy. I have I have reached a point where um, my house is so overfilled and bulging with comics that every comic I buy is another uh, bit of room in my house that I can't move. You know. Yeah. So I don't I don't buy in yeah. in the way I used to. But I still love comics. I always love comics, and I'm always curious to find a new thing. And you mentioned collections of reprint comics, uh, of old comics. Tell us, because that takes us to today's book. Tell us what you suggested coming on the book club with. Yeah, I I suggested, although it isn't 2000 AD, it is a British sci-fi comic, and it's uh, the collected Captain Condor. Excellent. Now I'm getting. I think earlier this year or last year. Yeah, earlier this year from uh, Hibernia Comics and the Treasury of British Comics together. Um, I'm guessing we've both got the same hard copy. Um, Captain Condor. This collects stories that were originally published in Lion Comic from December 1961 to January 63. Um, written by Frank S. Pepper. Art in this one is all by Brian Lewis. And the original editor at the time was Bernard Smith. We've got we've got some extras. We've got an introduction from Kelvin Gosnell as, as well as David McDonald. And then at the back, I think there's a page of original art that they borrowed from David Roach. 
And there's also an interview with Frank Pepper um, at the back of the book as well. And as you say, it came out earlier this year from Hibernia Comics and uh, it's still available, but we'll talk about availability when we get to the end. But, you know, get them while they're hot usually with these, isn't it? Yeah, I, I, I got this really knowing not much about it beforehand. Right. So was it because, what, what was it about the book when you got it that made you pick it for the book club? Was it the sort of, are we going to be talking about the artwork mostly, do you think? Um, well, in as much as I don't think it's, uh, in terms of the story, it's, it's nothing uh, earth-shatteringly brilliant, you know. It's enjoyable science fiction fun. Uh, that kind of two pages a week serialised nonsense, you know, like mystery stories, what's going on here, and uh, Captain Condor, really, you can even tell from his name, they've said, uh, let's make a Dan Dare, you know, let's make a version of Dan Dare. I think it was um, Amalgamated Press, IPC, whatever they were called, copying the Eagle. Yeah, and I got this in our notes because, you know, originally Captain Condor comes out in 1952 in Lion, in the first issue of Lion, I think. Uh, and Dan Dare had started in The Eagle, obviously, in 1950. Um, just sort of fill us in on the setup. Who is Captain Condor and what sort of adventures are we going to get in this book? Well, Captain Condor, uh, as I've already said, is uh, really, if you think of everything about Dan Dare and just transfer it over <laughs> pretty crudely, <laughs> you've got Captain Condor. So, so he's a heroic figure. There's, uh, he's his own man and he's out there. He is a responsible character. Uh, he works for the, the Earth government, going around the different planets and getting involved in different mysteries. Uh, so, like, he'll go to a planet and uh, where is everybody, you know? And then it takes a few weeks for him to start finding people. Um, they're under the ground, things like that. And then why... The, the stories kind of slowly evolve almost as if they're, they're making them up week by week as they go uh, and then you'll have um, uh, you know robots running the society uh, and all that kind of thing so it's just uh, I found it re- really to be good fun you don't take it too seriously and um, Captain Condor is is one of those characters that is very much like Dan Dare he's kind of the British Empire in space you know yeah. they're going around the galaxy, civilising yeah. all the other planets. Uh, he's he's very um, stiff upper lip and uh, no nonsense. And as drawn here by Brian Lewis, um, who we'll come to in a moment, he's he, he's quite Dan Derry in sort of profile in various places. He's got that sort of long, uh, slightly long face and even at times seems to have those slightly hooked eyebrows that are characteristic of Dan Derry. As well, and of course, his spacesuit is very darish, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's it's actually pretty funny. Yeah. How it's just an absolute copy. Yeah, you have to take that on board before you read any of this. You can't if you're going to read it and get annoyed that it's too much of a of a ripple for dare. Uh, just don't read it, you know. And because it is fun in its own right, but it yeah. has to be uh, a bit of fun. Mm. And. I was interested reading the Frank Pepper interview at the back because they were talking about the, war, the the paper shortages after the war and how um, if they could get the paper and if they could print them, they just sold like hot cakes. There was a sort of, obviously, you know, 
in that period, there was a sort of shortage of available um, entertainment and media for boys, I guess. And uh, these adventure, these space adventure comics, they just lapped them up, it seemed. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I probably came up in the, the tail end of that kind of thing in the 70s and 80s, before all the video games and all that had really gotten hold of uh, young people. So to me as a kid, it was comics all the way, you know and a bit of uh, maybe Doctor Who on telly, that kind of thing, Star Trek repeats. But apart from that, yeah, couldn't get enough of these sci-fi comics, superhero comics, all of that stuff. Loved it. And I'll just mention, we'll mention the writer first, Frank S. Pepper, who I think did a bit of writing for everybody um, from the sort of 1940s onwards. But, of course, he's most famous for creating not just Captain Condor, but particularly I think he's probably best known for creating and writing Roy of the Rovers for years. Um, he also did Jet A slogan and a few other bits and pieces as well. Uh, but I suppose it's Roy of the Rovers he's most famous for. And then, of course, he creates this. And he was clearly told, you know, make a Dandere clone, basically, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. And I have to confess that I, I missed out on uh, Roy of the Rovers um, as, a, as a youngster because the football comics didn't really appeal to me at all. These so. science fiction space <laughs> comics much more appealing than the... the it was uh, just never my bag. Yeah. <laughs> so you've yeah, to me, I'm afraid so, yeah. You've mentioned already a two-page black-and-white weekly strips um, written by Frankus Pepper. He gets these various... It is a bit, sort of, as you say, a bit British colonial-type um, adventures in space where the square-jawed Brits turn up and put everything to rights um, over a sort of continuing serial. And we've got a few serials collected um, in this book. I mean, before we get to Brian Lewis and his artwork... Um, were there anything, any particular mentions about the stories or the, you know, the types of stories you wanted to, to talk about, David? Well, I, this collection fitted into um, a thing that I, I enjoy, that I started doing a couple of years ago when they collected the Death Wish stories that used to be in Speed. Oh, yes. Um, so that was, again, another, another collection of two or three pages uh, all put into this one book and I just found personally perfect reading for, for like a summer's day I've got a summer's sunny day sitting outside for half an hour reading a few chapters of that and, and it was a good uh, a good reading itself and also it, it keeps the feeling of the fact that it is a weekly instalment so every three, two or three pages the story stops and starts again and I found it well certainly with Captain Condor I didn't read these in the first place but I was able to sit and read them and feel kind of nostalgic for reading them weekly even though I never did that in the first place so it's an interesting uh, sort of dynamic when you're reading it I feel like it's a, it captures it well uh, because they don't try to smooth it over you know they don't try to pretend it's all one big story, maybe chop off the introductory bit, chop off the closing uh, panel of one week. Uh, it's just as presented to you wholesale. And uh, I found that very, very, very pleasant reading experience. And it does that thing where 
Frank Pepper has to sort of like resolve last issue's cliffhanger on the first part of the first page, then advance the story a little bit and then set up a cliffhanger at the bottom of the second page. But it does it brilliantly, just like barrels along each time, doesn't it? You know, resolution, bit of plot, then another cliffhanger and we're off again. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely choppy, uh, but I think it works well. It's It's enjoyable. Um, you can forgive it the choppiness. Yeah, and I don't know, is it David who possibly or Kelvin who mentions that it was like, it's almost like the Star Trek, you know, they, the original series, where they come, they land on a new planet, there's a problem, they're the ones who can sort it out. It's a bit like that. Does it reach that sort of, the heights of that sort of science fiction adventure story for you? It is very similar. Of course, it doesn't have that tie-in where you're kind of comparing it to the TV show or, or the other, the other comic strips, but definitely in the same vein. You think of the times that Captain Condor uh, and his whoever his cohorts happen to be, well, really, uh, completely upend the society and the way they're all living for their own good. Uh, and you know, and at the end of it, they, they all stand there and, and thank Captain Condor every as he flies off. <laughs> haven't done his job, you know. And that's very much uh, Captain Kirk and, and his crew will do that as well. They'll come in and tell them that their entire way of running sight is wrong and to stop it now, and then they'll all do it. Yeah, it is, it is a little bit of that. The American sort of, Empire. Yeah, the American Empire model, this time the British Empire model. Um, yeah. Um, so mm. I'm going to turn and talk to you about the artwork. Um, I'll mention the original artist in 1952 was Ronald Forbes, and then there was a couple of other artists. But this collection focuses on Frank Pepper's collaboration with Brian Lewis. Um, born 1929, lived to 1978, did magazine covers after he'd done his time in the RAF uh, after the Second World War, I think, um, and then moved on to comic books. Jet A slogan, he'll do, well, later on he'll do Core, Buster. I was listening to Tony Esmond, our mutual pal, talking about him on episode 16 of his Never Iron Anything podcast today, and he described him as a little bit of a sort of just jobbing comic artist. He did all sorts of stuff. He did Captain Scarlet um, comics. He did the Sweeney annual, apparently. Um, He also did some animation work on Yellow Submarine, the Beatles um, cartoon movie, which is amazing. I never, I I, I was, you know, flabbergasted to hear about that. Um, What did you make of his artwork in this uh, collection? Describe it for us, if you can, David. Yeah, well, it's... um... It's probably one of the big things that made me want to get the book. Uh, I'm not overly familiar with his work, but I do know I have. Um, I have. Uh, I always trip up on the title of this thing. Uh, Halls of Horror. Halls of Horror, all comics winter special, and all the stories inside that are Brian Lewis, and this is from 1982. Uh, Des Skin and his quality communications and so I, w- I always liked all the artwork in that and then from uh, well, yeah at the time also from Des at the time that he was there was a comic by him in the first issue of Starburst which I always had right um, about the the astronaut uh, needing to go to the, the bathroom <laughs> I'm looking at that page now 
So that's where I was familiar with uh, with them, and I just really liked his stuff. Great, great black and white art, and um, you know, quite atmospheric as well. And uses a lot, uh, well, not a lot, but uses some tones. You know, seems to use screen tones, different textures, different line weights, and a lot of sometimes a lot of blacks. The black spotting is good as well. Um, so yeah, it's really quite accomplished the uh, artwork, I would say. And, and then I wasn't disappointed when I got the Captain uh, Condor as well. That was that was very good too. And yeah, he. I mean, he's possibly best remembered now for that, as you say, that work he did with Des Skin on Halls of Horror or House of Hammer or House of Horror, which it you know it seemed to change its title a few times. I have got, like you, I've got that All Comics Winter special here in front of me, which is all Brian Lewis, um, including the beautiful painted cover and everything. Mm-hmm. He'd really, you know, obviously he'd really matured as an artist then. He, d- he did... I, he did some Pat Mills, Dan Dare in 2000 AD. So there is a 2000 AD connection. But then he sadly passed away. At, it was, I think he was 49 when he passed away um, in 1978. Mm. And I'm, I'm sort of got the feeling that he was on the cusp of becoming one of the big names in comics um, at, that, you know, at the time. But he, sadly he passed away before his moment came, I think. Yeah, yeah, too young, and uh, who knows where he would have went in the in the uh, early eighties. All those opportunities opening up, he could have uh, been in there on, on that British invasion to America, and, and who knows? It's all yeah. conjecture, but anyway, what he left, what he left is is uh, great stuff. And of course, I guess there's not that much of his work collected. Um, I mean, obviously, he's in the first Dan Dare book, book from Rebellion. Um, there's, you know, you can still get the Dead Skin magazines. This collection, I think, you know, pays a lot of attention to him, obviously, because it's all of it's. I think it's his his complete run on Captain Condor is in this book. Um, as we say, it's black and white art book work. I think I'd be right in saying that you can sort of see him developing. Or becoming slightly more interested in the story uh, and storytelling as this, this book goes on. Um, there's, you know, early on there's some slightly uh, strange-looking figure work and panels, but as it goes on, he just get, seems to be getting better and better. And like you say, David, his use of heavy shadows and you know when he's doing silhouettes or half a face or something like that or characters standing out from a a black background gets really good doesn't it yeah yeah it does does seem to get more confident as he goes uh maybe as you say more interested uh the story flows more in a funny way it seems to simplify in some ways as well i think The, the figure work um He's not getting bogged down in in, uh, in details of things. I think it starts to read a lot better as it goes on. Um, maybe that's just me, but that's what I found reading it. And There's it was, some really exciting, like page 103. Let's uh, have a look. Just to, just to grab one that I'm, as I'm flicking through. Page 103, there's a disc that, that grabs a character up into the air. And it's very dramatic. It's just... And he's shouting, help! And the angle is just, uh, it's quite like an action-packed American comic. 
page 103. Yeah. Whereas earlier, it's it's a bit more stiff, you know, there's a lot more standing around and more arthritis <laughs> in the characters. And if we, um, you know, talk about a science fiction comic, obviously he's got to draw robots, he's got to draw aliens, he's got to draw spaceships. How does he handle all that stuff, would you say? Yeah. Well, I thought he was great at that. I thought the aliens were were really great to look at and the robots were good. And I, I like all the crazy rockets and spaceships. I really... I think you need good um, examples of all of that to really get into this uh, daft sci-fi stuff. And I I just thought he was great at it. Um, If we turn back just to page 102 from your 103, where he does the sort of uh, the spaceships that look like, um, I don't know, they look like what later would be a Harrier jump jet or something like that. These jet spaceships he draws, which are really beautiful. And... Mm -hmm. I don't know if you noticed, I was really taken by the Kelvin Gosnell story in the introduction um, about them arranging a whole bunch of artists and writers going to see um, Star Wars when it came out in 1977. And that Brian Lewis bumps into who else but Ian Kennedy. And it turns out that they'd never met, Mm -hmm. but they were huge fans of each other's work, which is amazing. Yeah, that yeah, that was a good touching story. Yeah, Ian gets everywhere, you know. Ian gets everywhere. Yes, I mean he is, <laughs> you know, he is one of the sort of preeminent uh, artists of the last century, and this, and of course, you know, sadly missed now, Ian Kennedy. But well, I looked at some of Brian Lewis's um, jets and planes and spaceships, and I sort of saw, and I thought, oh yes. I can see why Ian Kennedy was a fan of his work and why Brian was a fan of Ian Kennedy's work. Um, you know, you can see a sort of connection there That's between great. them, can't you? These sort of wonderful aircraft and spacecraft that they both could were able to do. Yeah, absolutely. And you say you've not, you know, apart from that um, Halls of Horror, Brian Lewis, you've not sort of come across his art too much elsewhere. You know, would, would, is the Halls of Horror stuff... No, is, I haven't. Is quite it, new to it. Yeah. Is that his best stuff, would you say, the Halls of Horror? Or the best stuff that you've seen, anyway? Well, yeah, on my limited knowledge, it is, yeah. Um, yeah, because, I mean, the design work is just uh, all over the place in the Halls of Horror. The, the the panels are breaking down and melting all over the place. and Yeah, it's really excellent. By the time he's doing Halls of Horror, it's... Um, Maybe he's got more freedom as well to do whatever he wants, working in a more um, <clears throat> not underground-y, but desk and a more a smaller kind of independent publisher instead of working for the big. Uh, definitely aiming at selling millions of comics to little kids, which is what he's doing with Captain Condor. But by the time it, we've got these um, Van Helsing's terror tales, there's people getting pickaxes through them and uh, you know it's it's all the din- the dinosaur eating people's hands and everything you know and it's all it's all very well rendered and really horrific and and very interesting panel layouts so yeah on my very limited knowledge the the, uh, the holes of horror is good but i'm not one to put down captain condor i really enjoyed that but it's obviously earlier work 
Yeah. Um, I mean, if you can get hold of a copy of the all-comics winter special of Halls of Horror, which I think they're fairly cheap and easy to get hold of on eBay. It's where I got mine. And it has that... As you say, it's got the Van Helsing terror tales. It's got a couple of movie adaptations in there. It's got that story which is called... Is it... What was it called? Space Burst, I think it's called. Um, the one-page... Space Burst, yes. Yeah, the one-page strip from the original... Um, uh, Starburst comic, which is just hilarious, but also so beautifully drawn as well. Um, yeah, that's great. But yeah, if we turn back to Captain Condor, so this is the Hibernia Press collection. I'm guessing, David, that these are uh, stuff, this is stuff that the Treasury of British Comics owns, but it's probably not going to be financially viable for them to put out huge collections of it. So we're lucky to have David MacDonald and Richard Pierce doing this work for Hibernia and finding some way to get these, you know, strange, obscure gems into limited print runs. Have you, because this is volume three of the Fleetway Files, have you been getting their other stuff from Hibernia? Uh, well, did they do that Deathwish book? Uh... No, Deathwish came out from Rebellion and the Treasury of British Comics, and we have done that on the podcast. And it's the that was Rebellion. Yeah, okay. is it the Vanyo brothers who did the artwork on that, and um, Barry Tomlinson uh-huh. okay, writing yeah. them? Yeah, and that's great fun. Yeah, I don't know that I got any other ones. I've looked with interest. Uh, what about the Tower King? That's that's another one, is it? Was that, yeah, was that they did the Tower King. Eagle? They did House of De- Damon. Yeah, um, they did. Uh-huh. Is it Angry Planet? Was the first I read all one? Them the first time I Yeah, the Angry Planet by Alan Hebden and Massimo Bellardinelli. They did the Indestructible Man, which I did with David McDonald. Um, and as we've said before, they do sell out quite quickly because they're limited print runs that they do. Uh, at the time of recording, Captain Condor is still available from the website. Um, which is, let me get the details, it's comicc.co.uk slash Hibernia, and I'll put the link in the show notes, and it's 12 for this um, collection. Uh, softback. I mean, it's not huge, but it's got great fun in there, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's definitely worth uh, reading if you, if you want to have an enjoyable science fiction read. You know, nothing too heavy, nothing too clever, just uh, very nicely drawn. And, uh, yeah, great fun. And as we say, you know, you can imagine the schoolboys in the 50s. Uh, I can imagine Nigel Molesworth Esquire from St. Custard's um, lapping up Captain Condor when he came out every week with his two-page adventures in Lion. Um, and also, you know, these just if they could get the paper and knock them out, they were guaranteed to sell them, really, weren't they? Mm-hmm. Um. Did you read the interview with Frank Pepper at the back? Yeah, I did read it um, <clears throat> when I first... I've not reread it, but I did read it when I got the book originally. Oh, it's interesting because he talks about working with Joe Colquhoun. Mm-hmm. He talks about some stuff that he did, was, which was taken over by Michael Moorcock, of all people. Um, he, you know, he, It's quite an interesting um, interview um by andrew darlington i'm not sure where this first appeared because obviously uh oh here it is it first published in luds mill issue 9 september 1973 blimey whatever luds mill was um oh yeah 
And then after that, we've got a reproduction of a page of original art from Captain Condor and the Push Button Planet. Um, and as I said, surprise, surprise, David Roach owns that piece of original art and let them have it to reproduce for this. Mm-hmm. And it also blows up some of the finer details as well. Um, also worth noting is the elegant, almost calligraphic hand lettering, most likely by the hand of one of Fleetway's lettering staff, which complements Lewis's art perfectly. There you are. Notes about the lettering as well. So interesting yeah. stuff. Yeah, he really does have the dandier eyebrows on, on that page, doesn't he? He does, yes. The hooked eyebrows I mean, are there, very does, definitely. I mean, wow. The lantern jaw and the hooked eyebrows uh, and the slightly long face. Yeah, it's a very dandier look in the way Brian Lewis draws in. Those slightly dandier, um, I don't know what that sort of top part of the spacesuit that goes over the shoulders is, but it's quite like dare-like as well, isn't it? Yeah. Now, I'm guessing that that might be one of the few pieces of Captain Condor original art that survives because, you know, obviously back then in the 50s and the early 60s that this was from, um, this stuff wasn't being kept. If the artwork for this issue was available and we could afford it, did you have a grail page or two that you'd really like to pick out? You've obviously you mentioned, what was it, 103 earlier on. Yes, 103 was nice from the storytelling point of view. Yeah. But I think what I, what I gravitate to more is the the way he's depicting the aliens, you know? Yes. So I really liked page 96 uh, from Captain Condor and the Unseen Invaders. And I like the effect he's got of the, the invisible alien, which is sneaking around, um, coming out of the, the sewers, lurking behind buildings or, or up in the rafters, and the, uh, the human beings can't see him. I just like the effect of... He's kind of... He's drawing the outline of the creature, but it's in white ink. Yeah. So it's quite a nice ghostly image. Yeah. I'd quite like to see how he's done that, that white line, if that was tipexed over or uh, you know white out over it that would be interesting to see it's a good effect i mean <laughs> and i also picked another one yeah well sorry i'm jumping ahead to another one now. well before we leave page 96 i could just imagine the writers the writer saying draw an invisible alien yeah <laughs> <laughs> and he's like mm, okay mm. he's done it he's done it though okay and he's done it in an interesting way and as you say it'd be fascinating my other one I was going to pick again, same kind of idea. I like those. Um, I like these uh, robotic-looking aliens from the slave hunters from outer space. And on page sixty-two, we see one of them that look almost like a frog, frog alien robot attacking Captain Condor. And I just, re- I just really like that oh, yes. image of uh, of the alien attacking. I think that's dramatic it's exciting so I, i'd like to see that one as well don't kill him we want him alive <laughs> keep your hands off me you thugs <laughs> get his helmet yeah, open that'll quieten him yeah <laughs> um it's very good yeah and i will post the images of these pages when this episode comes out on all the socials and everything 
Um, yeah, those are fascinating pages as to see how the original art would have looked mm-hmm. and how he did some of this stuff. Um, for a similar reason, I quite like page 94, which is also a title page. Yeah. I mean, every other page is a title page with Captain Condor, but Captain oh, Condor yeah. and the Unseen Invaders. And it's the way he's drawn that sort of um, strange mm-hmm. spacecraft that's all made up of uh, hexagons. And then there's a bit of Ian Kennedy sort of spaceship type rocket in there. It's Captain Condor. Um, you know, the one thing we perhaps haven't mentioned is that uh, Brian Lewis doesn't no. stick to conventional panel layouts. He does very sort of dynamic panel layouts for the time, I think, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. There are, uh, there's a lot of different shapes and a lot of different placement of the panels. But it doesn't... You can follow it. You know, it's... It's experimental, but it's not confusing, so that's good. Yeah, I mean, your eye perfectly follows and he's done the a line. Cross hatching on that page as well. Oh, it's amazing cross hatching yeah. on on this uh, sort of hexagonal spaceship, mm-hmm. and the, the way that the light is hitting it and illuminating it is great stuff. And some spacecraft, um, which would uh, you know, which we know Ian Kennedy was a big fan of, so um, and we can see why. It would be good to see that page for all those different line weights and everything as well. Yeah. Great stuff, David. So that's Captain Condor from Hibernia and the Treasury of British Comics. Do go to their website, follow the link in the show notes, get yourself a copy, support Hibernia Press so that we can get more of these slightly obscure strips reprinted by them. Yeah, recommended. Um, And, as I say, I will post our various... Yeah, highly recommended... And I will post our various Grail pages when this episode comes out uh, towards the end of November. Um, anything else you wanted to mention about the book itself before I move on to your own projects, David? Um, no, not nothing that I've not already said, I think. Just a, a great, fun read. And as you just said, go and get a copy. Because I think these things do run out, and then in the secondary market, you're paying loads for them, which is ridiculous. Yeah, once they run out, they do seem to change, start changing hands for large sums of money, mm-hmm. it seems. We'll get them. Um, yeah. Okay. Let's do guest projects and start with Fred Egg Comics. Tell us why it's called Fred Egg Comics, first of all. Yeah, okay. Fred Egg Comics is, um, well, it really comes from the uh, the Dundee dialect uh, where, I, where I'm from and grew up. Uh, if you were saying a fried egg, you'd say a Fred Egg. And to, for me, as a, a right. seven or eight-year-old, I was making up a, a comic character. And I was thinking about the fact that a Fred egg sounded like the name Fred. So this could be an egg called Fred. Um, so I made this character called Fred Egg and, and had a lot of comics uh, with, this, with this Fred Egg character. And then um, years later, when I was uh, still making comics as an adult, I thought I want to make some kind of name for a, for this enterprise I'm doing. So I, I thought about it for a bit and I thought, well, I'll, I'll do Fred Egg Comics, you know. Um, so I use that character now as the little uh, logo whenever I do comics. And it just forever causes uh, people to refer to me as Fried Egg Comics uh, because uh, most of the world isn't from Dundee, funnily enough. <laughs> So uh, I have to explain this over and over, <laughs> which is fine. And Dundee, of course, home of the British comics, birthplace of British comics, Dundee. Well, yeah, that's right, DC Thompson. And how long have you been putting out your own comics? 
Well, in different uh, capacities, I've been doing it my whole life, and uh, really, I got it got going um, uh, maybe twenty plus years ago. That's when I really started just deciding I was going to make comics and make copies and then put them on sale. Uh, yeah, before that, I was always doing them, but I wasn't necessarily uh, putting them out there very much, you know. Uh, I think the internet facilitated a lot of things where you could you could uh, get feedback from people online, you could sell them online, um, just widened the uh, the environment a bit for comics because before that you'd sit in your house and make your comic, print them up, take them to your local comic shop, maybe take them to a nearby bigger city, uh, and that would be about the size of it. You'd never hear any more about it ever again. <laughs> So things have improved a bit with the with the uh, with the online comics community. Things have opened up a bit. People will tell you they hate your comic online and things. You know, you get a bit of feedback. <laughs> what sort of feedback did you get from the Tay Bridge Disaster comic that you put out? Oh yeah, well the Tay Bridge Disaster uh, was good feedback. Um, I, I kickstarted that one, and uh, it was a uh, to cover costs, a printing and what have you, and that, that went very well. And um, that one, I think, uh, in terms of it being a local history comic, uh, a lot of people were able to get a handle on what it was that maybe weren't even interested in comics at all, just were more interested in the event. And uh, and then for the artwork in that one, I was using different techniques, using a lot of watercolours and different tones and things. So I got I got some good feedback on that as well. So yeah, that was positive experience all in all, the Tabridge disaster. And what what prompted it? What what's uh, led you to sort of make a comic about that? Was it uh, just being interested in that bit of history? Yeah, really that was it. It was purely uh that, that I was always interested in that in the uh, in one of the museums here in Dundee, uh, my whole life um, since I was a kid, you, you went in there and they had a big display about the Tabor's disaster. They had uh, some some information about the story, photos of the train. They had some things that had washed up on the beach uh, in the time after it. So they did a good job of painting the uh, picture of what had happened. So it always kind of stuck in in my mind and then uh, and then over the years I read I read a, quite a few different books on it <clears throat> and also if you're if you say you're working over in Fife uh, you're actually going over the, the the rebuilt the new Tay Bridge every day so it's it's still a pretty you know it's not faded away uh, everyone's aware of it and you can still see the leftover bits of the previous bridge when the tide goes down so you know it kind of haunts uh, haunts sure. Dundee a bit. Not to be too romantic about it, but it's just uh, quite an intriguing, interesting story. Uh, and so that's why I did it, you know. And I think I got it. I think I was in on the Kickstarter on that one, and I'd, I'd say it was like it was almost like reading. Um, a long-form poem in artwork and, and text. Um, there was something poetic about the work he did on that. It sort of reminded me a little bit of some of the sort of abstract work that Gareth Hopkins does as well. I thought it was beautiful, David. Oh, well, thanks very much. I appreciate that. 
Uh, I did try to make it good. <laughs> so I'm glad to hear you found it beautiful. Yeah, I was. You know, it is I, good. Is that? I was also trying to honour the people that were involved. You know, people people were killed and what have you. I just I took it quite seriously doing it. You know. Yeah. Uh, the art and the story and uh, the way it was presented. Mm. So. I, I mean, did you were you aware of the event before you read it? I was only aware of it through, I think, strange enough, through a Goon Show episode where they, because the Goons did a sort of um, spoof of it in a way, didn't they? I seem to remember. Right. That was all I, I think I remember from hearing about it as a kid. Yeah, okay. Interesting. It's interesting if, if you uh, thought it was worth reading and you weren't overly familiar with it. That's that's good as well. Yeah. Um, also, we'll come to the podcast in a minute, but you've done comics with your co-host on that comic smell. I think there's issue one and two of that comic smell, the comic. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. Um, uh, it was just something I, I always wanted to do. Um, I mean, we've been doing that for five or six years or something now. And always niggling in the back of my head was we should we should make a comic you know we should we should all do something and make a comic together and so we finally did it and then we've did another one and uh, we've all enjoyed it so we're we're all working away at various stages on a third one as well uh, and it's you know it's another to me it's another venue to get comics done and it's a way to, it's a you know I have to draw things that Mike comes up with and. Uh, Mike's very imaginative, uh, unique person. So he'll send me a script and, you know, uh, uh, gee whiz, you know. And uh, I'll be working away <laughs> with... Uh, uh, Tom has been writing things as well for me. And then I'll write things for, for the guys to draw. So it's just a mix of all the different... Um, I was going to say talents. That's not too big-headed to say, is it? it was, we we all work away on it. Uh, we all work away on it. <laughs> I think it. you're allowed to say. Yeah, that. that's allowed. Yeah, okay. Uh, and it's just great fun to do it. Yeah. And tell us about your new comic that's just out, literally as we uh, record. That's right. Yeah, it's uh, called Reject All, and um, it went on sale. Where are we? When went on sale two days ago, and it's another anthology uh, collection of different stories by myself. Uh, it's 50 odd pages and I always like to have uh, a bunch of guest artists doing doing like one page stories that I've written for them so there's uh, a lot of different uh, a lot of different stories in there and I do a mix of say between six page stories four pages two and one pagers uh, and then there is reject all. <laughs> that title being uh, comes up online all the time yeah. now, you know. Yeah. Whenever it's like uh, accept cookies yeah. and this and that, and one day I just looked and thought, reject all. Yes, reject all. That's a motto for life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no to cookies. Yeah. Say no to cookies. Funnily enough, I was I was uh, speaking to my, my dad a, a month or two ago, and he says you must be about ready to do another comic, eh? And I said, uh, yeah, yeah. And he said, what's the what's the name of the next one? And I said, reject all. And he went, oh, that's like something Trump would say. And I thought, oh god, I, I almost uh, rethought the title after that. That was the first reaction I got to it. That sounds like Donald Trump. Oh dear. 
but still are stuck with it. Because uh, if you're like anything like me, you, you get an idea and once it's, you know, you, you let it percolate, but once it settles in, that's it. You're stuck, yeah. Even if it does sound like Donald Trump comics. <laughs> yeah. It's all good. So I'll put links to uh, Fred Egg Comics and uh, the Big Cartel in the show notes for this episode. So go and check them out and uh, check out David's comics. Now, as I've said, you do that comic smell the podcast. I've had Tom Stewart on the book club already, so now I've got I've got two of you. I'm going to collect the set at some point. Yeah. Who else do you do the podcast with? Who are the other two? Well, you've got uh, Fernando Pons, and you've got Mike Sadakat. And you need to get those two guys on as well, and uh, they'll blow your mind. Right. <laughs> that you know, the four of us just. And what uh, have you been comics, up to on the podcast recently? Well, just uh, just last night we were, we got together to talk um, about monster comics. Oh, so the, great! So the first idea was like those kind of uh, you know the fifties, sixties Marvel monster comics. That was kind of the initial idea. But what we always do is we'll say, right, let's do monster comics. And it, and when we first started, it used to be, oh, do you mean uh, this kind of monster comics? No, do you mean like uh, Swamp Thing? And then somebody would go, do you mean like something in uh, the Scream comic uh, weekly or something? You know, and what we've just come around to is we just mean anything. You know, we're going <laughs> right. to do monster comics. However you want it, however you want to interpret that, bring that, and we'll all just speak about each other's monster comics. And um, it it was good. It was uh, there were some really nice. Somebody always brings along comics that you've maybe not seen or you haven't seen them for ages. And you know, Nando had a great uh, R. Adams book that he had done. It was all full of monsters and. And then Mike had some um, self-published thing that he'd got in Glasgow Con, and that was really nice as well. So, yeah, that was the most recent chat we had. Fantastic. You're lucky that I can remember what we talked about. Usually I can't. (laughs) Well, the other one that I've got on my podcatcher waiting for me to listen to is a recent episode you did about Ur Willy and the Bruins, which, of course, is... um, characteristic of the scottish comics i would say uh and i must need i need to find out more about that i need to yeah. listen to your episode uh, absolutely and uh Ur Willy, um and the bruins in in scotland they're, uh, they're like a regular fixture you know for people that aren't even interested in comics so i'll know who Ur Willy is um i guess at the same level that you know if you don't know about comics you you know you know what the dandy is you know you you probably heard uh Desperate Dan, that kind of thing. Um, but Dude Willie really speaks in the Scottish uh, dialect or a version of it and has all these quite, uh, I was going to say realistic, but they're not realistic, but there's not really fantasy elements. You know, it's a boy running around having boyish adventures in his town and a family as well, uh, all having adventures featuring things like teapots. Uh, you know, normal stuff, <laughs> and you know, beautifully drawn, well, well written. Uh, Dudley D. Watkins is a legend that lived and worked in Dundee for many years. So, if you want to know more about that, uh, yeah, listen to that episode. And you know, it's funny you say that was a recent one because I know it was, but I think we actually recorded it about a year ago. 
Oh, really? <laughs> because now, yeah, we, we go along and, uh, you know, just a peek behind the curtain, uh, Tom kind of does everything, you know. So, so we, I mean, for me, I just go along. I mean, I'll say, hey, let's talk about this. And we're all, we'll, all, we'll all suggest things. And then we go along, we bring the comics, we talk, uh, we have a good night, and then we leave. And then it's Tom that edits everything and uh, puts it out when he sees fit. So um, that's part of the reason. Whenever I'm on a, speaking to someone and they say, what have you been talking about? I can't remember, you know. I mean, I, I know we talked about Ur Willie and the Bruins, but it, it definitely was yes. 2021. Right. <laughs> It was it was it was a good conversation, but I can't remember uh, much yeah. about it. Yeah, fantastic. So, David, that's great. I will put a link to the SoundCloud for that comic smell in the show notes, and you can find that comic smell in wherever you're listening to Mega City Book Club, basically in all your podcast apps. Um, and it's great fun. And I will get round to listening to your Willie episode uh, and find catch up on that Scottish comics icon. Yeah, you might even rush out and, and buy it. A copy of the Urwilly or Bruins annual. They still come out regularly, I think, do they? Yeah, they come out, um, they kind of alternate. They, you get a Bruins one. Actually, is this true? This might have changed. But for many years, you got the Bruins book one year and then you got an Urwilly book the next year and it went along like that. But I've got half a memory that now you get both of them every year. Anyway, they're available. Great stuff. Because it still comes out every... Uh, it's part of the Sunday newspapers. It's in the Sunday Post every Sunday. You get a new strip, and then these books collect them every year. Fantastic stuff. Well, that is That Comic Smell and Fred Egg Comics. And as I say, look in the show notes for links. Um, David, thank you so much for coming on the book club. We've had some slight connection problems. We're getting a bit laggy, I think. Um, but it's been great having you on. Yeah, thanks, Eamon. Uh, it has been interesting. I'll be interested to see how it uh, edits together uh, and if we still sound like we're in two different planets. <laughs> two different Captain Condor planets. Yeah. But thanks, it's been great. No, thank you so much, David. Thank you for giving up your time to do this. And uh, as I say, check the show notes for links to all of David's projects and get his most recent comic reject oil and if you can get a copy of the tay bridge disaster get that because it's really wonderful and a fascinating bit of history and beautifully done and thank you to everyone for listening to mega city book club as ever follow on facebook twitter instagram and the 2000 ed forums head to megacitybookclub.com to find all the links that we've been talking about email me at mcbcpodcast at gmail.com and that will do us until next time when we're passing judgment on another great book it's goodbye from me and from dundee goodbye Bye.